I mean, at the end of the day, it's always a people to people business. So having that human touch, it was really important to our client. And we realized that early on. Welcome to La Wagon Live. This week, we have Joelle Chartrand. She is the co-founder and VP of People and Culture of Renault Run, an end-to-end supply chain platform that is redefining how the construction industry purchases materials. She is a passionate leader who is focused on creating an exceptional people-centric culture as her company scales. In this inspiring talk, she explains the challenges of being a woman in the construction industry, how she uses those challenges as a fuel, and the benefits of having a diverse team to help your company grow. I did a little bit of um, fundraising, event planning, business development, and just general uh, project management. Um, and then after a few years of that, I, uh, I took some time off to travel. I had a family. I had two young kids at the time. And I launched a business with my husband, who's also my co-founder at Renorun um, in construction management. At that time, the pain periods of the construction industry became abundantly clear um, and they were shocking to say the least. Um, so after we, we moved to California for about a year and we were exposed to the tech scene down there and we, we came back inspired and thinking, you know, there's got to be something that we can bring um, to the construction industry with especially how uh, ancient sometimes it can be uh, through technology. So we started brainstorming and basically we had this idea that was kind of pie in the sky idea of, of uh, getting into the material procurement in the construction industry. And we drove back from California with our family, our kids, our dog, all of that stuff up the coast and basically by the, through Canada. And by the time we had reached Canada, we had a pretty good uh, idea of what we wanted our MVP to be. Um, so, uh, very soon after that, we partnered with our other co-founder and we, we launched Renoran. Great. So you have a really diverse and interesting background. So could you say that you always wanted to be an entrepreneur or is it more like what you say, the shocking experience you had in the USA that give you the, giving you the, the idea? Uh, yeah, I can say I think entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial blood runs in my veins, so to speak. Um, I always uh, knew that I had a difficult time spending a high amount of energy and brain power on someone else's job. So in that in that case, I did think that uh, I could be an entrepreneur. Uh, my hu now husband is a serial entrepreneur as well, and we work really well together. So we always knew that if we were able to uh, find something and put our brains Together, that we would be unstoppable. And uh, so it's been about three years now that Renoran exists. Could you yeah. just explain a bit more what is Renoran and what is it about? Sure. So Renoran is a platform for general contractors, especially in the residential stage at this uh, at this point anyways, to uh, order and have delivered construction materials in as little as two hours. Okay. So what we do when we move into a city is we uh, we take we partner with third party vendors. Uh, we hold no inventory ourselves. We kind of uh, we process everything there is to offer in that city, put it onto one platform and uh, our clients are able to have their things delivered, either scheduled ahead of time or in as little as two hours. Great. And could you say that from the beginning, you had a market fit? I mean, like it was difficult to find customer or 
So the need was there. The, the, the way that we test our idea when we first came back from California was we actually sat in Home Depots and Rona, Rona and Renault Depots and tallied the amount of contractors that were going to the protest. And you could see very quickly that the need was there. Sometimes uh, contractors of the same company would go back up to three times a day in one day to get their materials. So what happens on a job site is when somebody when a, a, a contractor runs out of materials, oftentimes the job halts. It comes to an absolute halt if it's an unexpected material uh, loss. And somebody has to go to the store. They're being paid $60 an hour to go to the store, pick up the materials, bring it back, unload, often take advantage of lunch break, coffee, coffees for the crew or whatever. So it's a very inefficient process. And that is the problem that we try to fix with Run Around. So now uh, it's been three years that you are doing that. So uh, your role has evolved a lot from the beginning to now. Could you give us a bit more detail about your role right now as a VP of culture? So I'm, I have transitioned in, in the beginning, as many of you will see when you launch your own business, you must do absolutely everything. It's all hands on deck for anything that's needed. In the early days, it was us in the trucks. Uh, uh, doing the deliveries ourselves. It's, um, but as the business evolves, so must you. And so continual learning is, is extremely important. And finding your niche within that company can also be challenging, but it's also a lot of fun. My, deg my degree in psychology, but also just my, my natural uh, love for human nature has transitioned me into a VP of people and culture. We noticed uh, how important the people that you hire are and um, how they are being treated within your company is extremely impactful. And so we, I'm going to be focusing solely on developing the culture within the company, and which is going to be very challenging as we expand, continue to expand into different cities across North America. Yeah, for sure. So I have a question on that, actually. Like, um, how many people are working with you to, today and how do you organize your team for everyone to have his own, like, uh, specific place in your team? Yeah. Um, so it's constantly changing. It's a living, breathing thing. Um, but so last year we were seven people. Today we have just reached our 70 mark. So that's a huge growth in just a year's time. Right, um, uh, right now we've separated our business into three major silos. So we have tech, operations, and growth. And that's working for now. But in the next year, we, we, as we expand even more and we're going to be doubling in size again, there's going to be a little, little bit of a reorg as well. Okay, and you talk about the culture. So could you give us a bit more about what is the DNA of Renoran? What is the values really important for you? So originally, the three founders are all kind of uh, uh, have family ties, if you will, which is very rare. <laughs> um, and uh, what the DNA of the culture is a family environment because of that. It was like a natural transition for us to anyone that was welcomed into the company to make them feel like they were an extended part of the family. And that has been the basis for us. Um, uh, as we grow bigger, of course, that's a little bit more challenging. I see us more as a sports team as we move forward. Um, but making sure that everyone is in line with what the big picture is and giving them the opportunity and the freedom to uh, help redefine an industry, which is what our goal is, our mission is, uh, is uh, what we found is extremely empowering for our team. Giving them that freedom, giving them the opportunities, letting them see the bigger picture comes with like high transparency within the business. 
it really motivates them. So let's go back to the product. So Renoran is a is a technology. I mean, it's an app. So could you explain a bit a bit more uh, how you change the way with an app uh, the market is is uh, is is purchasing construction material? Just to to understand that uh, maybe at the beginning it was not that easy uh, to implement an app in this industry. And how did you do that? Yeah, uh, the reality is it was very 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 hard extremely hard. Uh, the construction industry is very slow to adopt technology. Uh, and, uh, and we needed to, we learned to cater to our market uh, as best we could. So what that meant for us was um, making the app as user-friendly as possible, uh, having the ear of contractors beside us. Uh, so making sure that we connect with our client on a regular basis uh, in all of our cities to kind of see what's missing, see, uh, see what's needed. So simplify the technology is a must. First, you pie in the sky, create whatever is best, and then you use that idea and you try and simplify it. You break it down as easily as possible. And two, we just adapted. We adapted our marketing techniques. We adapted. Uh, we, we, we started taking phone call orders. I mean, it's not what we wanted to do, but because of our industry, we had to, we had to adapt. We, took, uh, we, we implemented text messaging, phone call, uh, phone call orders, all these things that allow the adoption to grow bigger at a faster pace. And then after that, when people are used to using some of our technology, then we can kind of teach them into using the app as it was intended to be in the beginning. So if I understand correctly, you, you succeed in implementing an app by listening to your market. Exactly. And actually, uh, I don't know if everybody has seen the website or have seen, uh, uh, already downloaded the app, but uh, I feel that uh, your customer service is really exceptional. I have an example for that. Yesterday afternoon, just to better understand the, the app, so I downloaded the app. And uh, just no later than this morning, I received a call from the comforter <laughs> uh, asking me more questions about what I was looking for and etc. So I was really impressed by the fact that uh, you were really close to your customer and you really wanted to give a personalized services. So can you give us more detail about that and why you really want to focus on customer service? Sure. Well, it's something we learned early on, uh, contractors especially, and I think I mean, at the end of the day, it's always a people-to-people -people business. Uh, there's people running our business and there's people receiving our service. So having that human touch, it was really important to our client. And we realized that early on. So, and um, I, I also seen that uh, you are offering free coffee for each delivery. So I was a bit impressed at the beginning and a surprise because it's not something that, that you expect. Uh, but then I realized that, oh, maybe it's something that I don't know that is really important in this industry, in the market, in the construction market. So could you just explain where did you get the idea from and why sure. is that so important? So one of our founders had over 20 years experience in the construction industry. So we, he knew very well through his experience in mul multiple cities across the world that when people go on material runs, they come back with coffee for the crew. So we thought, what a fantastic bonus add to add to our service. We give free coffees with every delivery for as many as they want. They come with branded, uh, branded mugs, and it's kind of a little bit of a promo. Also, it was a great opportunity for us in the very early days for our guerrilla marketing techniques. So what we did is we have these big run-or-run vans that you may have seen in Montreal um, to, that delivers our material, and they're stocked with fresh coffee. 
Um, so w when we didn't know how to, how to reach our clients initially, what we would do is drive around the streets of Montreal, up and down the, the neighborhoods that we knew had a lot of renovations going on, and we would stop at the job sites and kind of knock on the door or whatever, be like, hey guys, we're Renner Run, you don't know us yet, but this is what we do, and here's a, here's a coffee, let us, let us download the app on your phone, or let us talk about what we do. It was a really warm, warm introduction, so that was the technique we used initially. And then you realized that it was exactly the best way to maybe get more people more loyal to you. Absolutely. Company? I mean, people love the idea. They love that they were getting a little bit of extra. And at the end of the day, I find it's always those little things that mean the most. So that's our coffee. And amongst others. How do you plan to still be really close to your customer as you grow? Because I mean, like right now, I, I have no idea how many customers you have, but I, I'm quite sure that you, as you grow, you will get more and more. How do you plan to be still as... So uh, unlike the Uber model of, uh, of business, we, have, we employ our own drivers. That gives us a huge advantage because we have an we have a, a physical touch point with our client, um, and we have meetings in place uh, every so often that we get that feedback directly from our customers from our drivers. So um, that's how we plan. That's how we 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 continue to plan to uh, stay close with our customers just by having that physical direct feedback. Okay, good. Yeah. And when it, when it comes to grow, so recently you have. Uh, You have been listed at, on the top 10 Montreal startup to watch in 2019. So that's something. Yeah. And more than that, lately, I think it was last year exactly. Yes. That you got three uh, million Canadian seats. So I wanted just to ask you first, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and then I wanted to ask you, what do you plan to do with, it, with that? And how do you see the future? Yeah, so uh, uh, this, around this time last year, we, we finalized our seed, uh, uh, seed series round of funding. Um, we were able to expand into the U.S., which was huge. Uh, we, we grew the team exponentially, which was huge. Um, we're about to announce our Series A. So from in, our, in the next round of funding, we are going to be growing again by double the size of our team. We're changing offices. We're expanding between five to eight cities in the U.S. And uh, we're planning on taking over. I mean, our mission is to redefine the way the way people get their construction material, right? So, so there's no need. We never want to see another contractor go to the store and get their materials. It's time for them to adopt the technology, save their time, save their money, let Runner Run be an extended part of their team by taking care of their material procurement. So maybe for the entrepreneurs that are maybe in front of us that wanted to know uh, what is exactly the process of raising funds, could you explain when is the best moment? When did you decide that it was the best moment for you? And how is the process? Do you have any best practice or advices? Sure. So um, pre-seed, it's very natural not to have 100% product market fit. Um, but you need to show uh, that your product is, is, is trending. So you need to show that there, you have some evangelists, you know, you have some evangelist clients behind you, uh, you're growing, your numbers are growing, um, and, and you have people excited. Not enough people know about it yet, and it's not quite perfect, but you're growing and it's exciting. Uh, Post-Series A, you need to have a product market fit. 
Uh, when it comes to fundraising, that's a big discussion. <laughs> uh, it's, sure. it's, a, it's a lot of work, but you want to do it when you're in a healthy phase of your business, when you're growing and your numbers are growing, not when you're about to run out. It needs to be way earlier than you imagine. Um, uh, because when you're on the downturn, I mean, it will always be a journey of ups and downs. But when you're on the downturn is the wrong time to be raising money. You need to raise it earlier than you would expect. And uh, is it also uh, when you see the competitors growing, the best moment for you to grow? And in that case, could you explain a bit more uh, if, you, if you have seen the market changing because you were the pioneer mm -hmm. as an app in this industry, but maybe some other competitors follow you and now sure. it's kind of difficult for you and you have to... It's an interesting journey, I'll tell you that. We were first to market. This idea came entirely from our brains and within a, a few months, less than a year, we've had a few competitors pop up. Uh, most, mostly in Canada, some competitors which word for word just absolutely steal your concept. Everything you're doing, word for word on your uh, website. It's very frustrating. It's also, it gives you some reassurance that you're not absolutely crazy in launching this. Um, but you know what? I, it's fuel. It's absolute fuel. Take it as fuel. You have to feel like every day there's someone biting at your heels that's just about to pass you on the finish line. That's the fuel you use every day to keep, uh, to, to keep grinding every day at what you do. And uh, just to getting back to your role yeah. as a VP of people and, uh, and culture. Yes. Um, I just wanted to know how was it, how it is to be a woman in this both in these two industries that are male dominant. I mean, like tech, tech and construction are full of men and not all, not many women work in this industry. How right. was it for you to work in this industry? I, I might be the anomaly, but I absolutely love it. Um, I, 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 again, I use it as fuel. Um, uh, I'm, I'm happy we have someone as a co-founder, uh, in, in the female position, someone in an executive position as a female. I'm not, I'm actually not the only one. We make, we make a point to hire, uh, equally across genders, across cultures, across everything, because it, it brings just such an interesting viewpoint and you're only as strong as your team. You're only as strong as your team. You're only as diverse in your ideas as your team is is diverse in themselves. So it, it it's, makes us really proud. It makes me really proud to be a woman in a male dominant in both the male dominant industries. Um, but uh, uh, we like currently we have two females in our board. So and and that's pretty remarkable. Um, and uh, you know it's just one little block on top of the many blocks that the women have put there before us. And do you have any advice for any woman that uh, sometimes has difficulties to get through these barriers? That's a good question. Um, you have to, if, if, it's, if you feel uh, insecure by that, I would just recommend put on a persona. <laughs> put on, fake it till you make it. It's what everyone else is doing. Uh, you know, so if, if, if there's an issue, if you feel unconfident, whatever it is, is because of your gender or if it's because of anything else, put on that persona, keep trailblazing, keep doing your best and fake it till you make it. And, um, let's take a, ba a step back. Sorry. Sure. And, um, I would like to ask you the question, a question about your accomplishment. What is your, for you, the best accomplishment you, you made and something that you're really proud of maybe? Um, coming from where I'm coming from, uh, and but you know what? I would say I'm not the only one. I'd say all of our initial founders are very proud of the team we've built. 
uh, were a, a very people centric uh, uh, team. Um, and like I said earlier, it's people working for people. Most of our team doesn't even work for Renneron. The way I see it, they work for the client, 100% the client. Without the client, we're dead. Um, so you, there's a very few amount of people that actually work for the company to keep the internal structure lifted up. Uh, everyone else works for the customer. So uh, I'm sorry, I actually forgot the, the initial question, which was... <laughs> I, just wanted to, I just wanted to know yeah. the best accomplishment, something so that my, you're really the, proud. What so I'm you most, say the team? Yes. The, what I'm most proud about is the team. Uh, uh, we have a phenomenal team. Uh, they work so hard. They're motivated. Uh, they're they're brilliant. It's phenomenal to be able to hire these people as a founder. The best thing you can try and do is hire people who are smarter than you. Um, and it's it's amazing to be able to learn from them. So every day you show up to work and you learn from these brilliant people, and they just make coming into work even better. We can see that you are really focusing on people, and I'm sure, like in front of us, we have some maybe entrepreneurs or future entrepreneurs that want to to get some advice from you. So, do you have a I don't know any any best advice or any good practice you you have done that you can share with us tonight? It's going to be, a, I guess, a little bit of a recap. But if you have an idea, I think follow your gut. If you're not in tune with your gut, figure out a way to get in tune with it practice every day to make little decisions based on your gut, whether it's what you want to eat at the restaurant that day, whatever it is, follow your gut. Super important. Every time I have not followed my gut, it has been a mistake, whether it's a small thing or a, or a big thing. And it often turns into a big thing, even if it's a small thing. Um, hire slowly uh, and take your time on who you hire. Um, move so fast faster than you know that you're capable of. Uh, if you have an idea and it feels right to you and it gets you excited every day, test it, spend a little bit of money, just a little bit, see if it works and just go, 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 go. Never stop. The hardest part, at least in my experience, is the ups and downs sometimes that being an entrepreneur comes with uh, and it's you always think of your your company when you start when you plan this company as like this is the idea this is how I'm going to make it happen this is how the tech is going to be this is how the ops is going to be this is how I'm going to market it you get all excited about all those external things but internally there's an enormous amount of things that have to happen too and one of those things that you have to constantly work on is yourself because one day you're on top of the world and everything's going amazing you think I'm, we're going to take over the world this is amazing the next day all of a sudden you're like i just bet the farm on this business bogus it's never going to work right so you're like you have to work on yourself mentally like physically pay attention to like your mental health like what you do what uh, what you eat Everything will come in. You have to be the optimal you, basically. So you have to be able to constantly work on yourself to be the best person to drive your business forward. Thank you, Joel. And maybe a last question. Sure. Because you are growing and maybe you are planning to, uh, to employ new people, yes. what will be the best profile for your team? The, the best person? The best, yeah, <laughs> let's say the best person. Maybe because we have some entrepreneurs, but maybe also people that are looking for a job. We are absolutely hiring. In the next year, we're going to be doubling in size. So we're hiring in, in all three uh, silos, ops, growth, and tech. Um, uh, the first thing we're going to look for is uh, just a good person, a good personality. 
a good cultural fit to bring to our team. There's a lot of qualified people out there, but it needs to be the right fit for you. Uh, and someone who's a problem solver, uh, it's very easy to find problems. It's really hard to find solutions. So somebody who brings the solution-oriented mindset is crucial. Um, and, and then, yeah, just someone who's willing to work, ho- work hard, be the best best them. We constantly push our team to just be the best them. What, wh- how you come in three months later, you shouldn't even be able to recognize the person you were three months ago. That's how fast and that's how hard you're going to push yourself. So somebody who's, who, you know, you, you can read through a person, read in between the lines. And, and, and if, you're, if you're that person, by all means, please reach out to us. <laughs> how do you manage that relationship with the very businesses that you might put out of business because of the success of, of, of your app? How do, how do you, how do you uh, play So we're actually nicely? not looking to put these people out of business. We're actually partnering with these people. We want to uh, empower the market. So we, are, we have a close relationship with Home Depot, for example. We've quickly climbed to their uh, number one client Canada-wide, right? Or uh, in each pers- respective uh, provinces. So the, there's a huge benefit to them. Because we're not taking the money away from them, we're bringing them the money, but under a different name. So instead of having to deal with hundreds of other clients, they're just dealing with Run. Um, so, uh, sorry, and I would think that, like, when you're talking about the lag time and people waiting around on coffee breaks and whatnot, when you're increasing the efficiencies by being able to deliver with more trucks, more men, more staff, and you know you're tripling your 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 um, you know your employees and whatnot, what I'm guessing is then you're a benefit to the construction companies or the renovating materials companies by bringing them more business. That's the idea. Exactly. Okay. And so, do you expect if you're looking like? future predicting, do you expect um, that at some point they'd be looking for a cut from you? Do you think that might enter negotiations where it might, I mean, again, this is crystal balling things, but um, this idea that they might turn around and say, well, wait a second here, we're actually bringing you more business by letting, you know, by, with this relationship, we want money from you. Have you predicted that sort of financially or a trend toward that? Sure. I mean, we consider all of it, but it's actually a little bit on the op- opposite side in this case. So we're, we're, we're getting more powerful and bigger. So there, the advantage is to work with us. That no, makes any sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like you can't beat them, join them. So it's yeah. more beneficial for them to, to be with you. And what you were saying as well as, um, you know, the fact that there's copycats out there and that essentially justifies you're not crazy because it's a great idea. Yeah. Um, do you have a sort of a communication strategy or a kind of people strategy or any kind of strategy on how to approach them? Is it a phone call that says, hey, buddy, you know, you're ripping off a fucking idea and I can see it loud and clear. Better back off. Or, hey, I see you're copying our idea. We should probably talk. What's that relationship like? I'm not sure if you're able to disclose it, but you're smiling. So maybe there's a good story there. <laughs> you need a strong legal team. That's number one. And that's, that's where any going, business. Yeah. You need a su- super strong legal team. Um, but you know what? Uh, in the beginning, it was frustrating. After a while, it was validating. But if you're the person who pioneers something like this, you always have that to your advantage. If you're ripping off an existing idea, you might be able to operationalize that well, but you're not blessed with the ingenuity that, that launched the idea in the first place. And I think that so goes- that's, remains our competitive advantage all the time because there's only so much they can see. And when we speak to investors, uh, even though on maybe uh, from a client perspective, it might seem same to same, when we speak to investors who know what the hell they're talking about... Um, they know that they are, can only copy what they see. They see the tip of the iceberg. They're not seeing all the things deep down that 
nobody's talking about. And I think that speaks to your point about following your instinct and your intuition, because whatever magic was going on between you and your husband as you're driving up the coast right from California to home, I think that magic um, is essential to any entrepreneur, because when you go out there with a great idea, it does tend to get copied. Um, but again, like you said, it's a process that could be copied. But in terms of the blood and guts and the motivation and all the beauty that you bring uh, to to manage your people and culture team, the way you speak about family and a sports team and, and including everybody um, so that they're sharing in that big picture vision. Absolutely. It sounds to me like there's a, there's a DNA, essentially to use your term, a DNA that you have that nobody else is going to have. And that's there's, key. There's a lot of things that can make you fall as a business. It's not just Unless getting, Elon getting, Musk, getting the, ama- <laughs> getting the right amount of clients behind you or even raising the most amount of money. There's a lot of things that can make you fall. It's a full picture. You need to, ha- you need to have your pulse on the business at every level. I have a question specifically about your tech team. So I'm from Le Pitaneux. It's an organization I founded. Uh, we specifically represent people who are necessarily, who don't necessarily have like a typical background in technology and are learning programming as they go. I love that. Thank you. Uh, so I would like to know what is your tech team? How large is your tech team? What uh, is how diverse it is? Uh, what kind of problems do you have to hire for inclusion and diversity? How what's your technology? What's your uh, yeah. tech stack? Maybe what kind <laughs> of uh, uh, how are you addressing uh, inclusion and diversity in tech? And how do you solve that problem? Yeah, um, it's it's a very big challenge. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so uh, like currently. All across the business, we're very we're very equal in tech. It's male right, right now. We've just hired a VP of uh, engineering who is lining up a bunch of female candidates in high positions, and we're trying to switch things up a little bit, which is amazing. I'm super happy I because think I it, may know him. Ah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, so so it it's challenging because there's not enough women out there. Um, and, uh, and, and it's something that needs to come, you know, it comes with time and it comes from the, from the bottom up more and more women entering the tech scene. And there should be, because there's some huge worldwide problems to solve. Um, and, and for that you need, you know, the balanced mind, so to speak. Right. So, uh, so we're making some very intentional specific efforts to change that. Uh, our tech team is approximately 20, uh, 12 people, I think, as of it changes every week. So it's 12 people, but it's going to be doubling, almost tripling in the next uh, 12 to 18 months. Uh, and uh, yeah, is there another thing? That was pretty much it. Thank you so yeah, much. Okay, no problem. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, you know, you're you're talking about working at the the intersection of tech, uh, construction, both domains which are known to attract sometimes very strong personalities. And I'm sure that bringing together an increasingly large number of folks on these different projects has a potential to result in communication, misfires, or whatever that might be. It's clear that your company is very invested in creating a very strong family culture regardless as you grow. And I know that you mentioned earlier having meetings with drivers. Um, what are some of the, your company's strategies now for ensuring that communication is flowing both horizontally and vertically and making that full loop? Um, so everything trickles down from the top initially. I'll start by saying that. Uh, it starts with the founders. It, it extends to the exec team. And then everything kind of trickles down from there. If you don't have a good communication at the top and a good a cohesive relationship amongst your execs, it's not gonna. It's not gonna go well at the bottom uh, in the front line uh, workers, right? So um, 
Again, keeping your pulse on the business at every level is extremely important. Um, making sure that the exec team is bonded as one. We actually encourage people to disagree constantly because that's the only way to find the best solution. Uh, there's lots of wonderful solutions out there to find the best that will really differentiate differentiate you from the rest of your market. Is it, it, it needs to be sore. It needs to be a little painful. We totally encourage disagreement. Um, but once we make a decision, you need to be together. You need to stand together in unison and work towards it and not have any little... Um, side feelings that you're uh, offloading on your team or your uh, department, right? Um, so uh, meetings, constant meetings, <laughs> uh, both at the top within their departments. And uh, we make sure to have a lot of team bonding as well or um, brainstorm. I mentioned before that we're a highly transparent. We have all hand, we all hand meetings weekly. So everyone in the company at all levels, uh, kind of has a check-in where we just let everyone know what's happening, who's been hired, what's happening with our investors, what's happening at the top levels. Everybody knows what's going on on the most important things. So that's our way that we try and keep communication open. And um, uh, I'm, I'm wondering about the start part of the startup. Um, sure. When you started, how many people was there on your team uh, where did you get the initial funding and what was the, how did you get it off the ground when you, you got a great idea, you don't necessarily know how to code it yourself. You don't necessarily know how to maybe market it yourself. You, there's a ton of things you don't know how to do yourself and you may not have the money uh, to fund it all. So how do you, how did you manage that? So we worked our little butts off <laughs> to, to, to save up what we could initially. We entered our own money as you should, if you can, um, to, if you truly believe in it, you will. Um, and we developed, uh, our MVP, uh, in Montreal with a, we, so we have no technical experience in the founding team, none initially. So we developed our MVT, MVP with a company here in Montreal that made an app as best that we thought it was amazing. Uh, our first, our, our, our first ride turns out it was absolutely not amazing. It expired in about four months. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it's introductions. It, it's don't underestimate the power of, um, networking the intro, the, the, the intros you will make at any of these kind of, um, uh, events is crucial. And, you know, one thing leads to another, it's a little bit of magic. I'm not going to lie, but it's a lot of hard work and networking is super important. And if you're lacking in any skills, one, you need to teach yourself a lot. Uh, constantly. Like if you're not good in marketing, but you can't hire someone in marketing, you teach yourself. You constantly, Google is your best friend. Teach yourself everything you can on Google. You need to do social media ads. You teach yourself how that works. You do, uh, you know, how-to videos, whatever. It's, it's that simple. Um, and then, and then try and find when you're ready to hire or partner, if you're willing to give up some of your business, make sure that you're looking at everything you lack and hire for that. And through these networking events, you will find all of a sudden the light bulb will go off and say, this person has all the things that I don't have and we need to partner. Quick follow up. Uh, if you hire people that because um, you said you uh, you hired people who who would be a good fit in your family. Right. Sure. And then but at the same time, that lacks what you have. How do you how do you balance those two? Because you want to have uh, people that challenge your ideas all the time. You want to have people that that don't think like you, yeah. but also that 
do think like you? Like how? Well, a cultural fit is not necessarily think alike. Um, it means like it depends what it is for you. In our case, it's like there's no way that I would be willing to work with an asshole. Excuse me, the expression, right? It just it's it's counterproductive. It dra- it drains my energy. Like, you need to be a good person because you're going to war with that person right so like that kind of thing where it's like you don't have to find the same things funny you don't have to go out to the same music bands but you don't have to come from from the same place whatsoever but if uh in the skill set is complementary and you have the same kind of deeper values as a human being that's would be a match made in heaven I come from uh, nine months at CBC uh, Radio Canada, where I worked as a communication specialist for people and culture. So when I saw the Eventbrite um, uh, event, I saw all oh, people and culture. Um, so my question to you is, and, and pardon me if this sounds silly, obvious uh, and, and very naive, but why did you call your HR group, which is essentially your, your, your hiring folks and, and, and whatnot, why did you call them people and culture? Is that standard? Did you like the ring of it? Was it intentional or was it that's just what it is? It was completely intentional. Uh, I see HR as being part of the culture bracket, but completely, diff- not, uh, completely different in a sense because um, culture is so much bigger. So HR is very much a lot of uh, policies, procedures, legal um culture is all the intangible things that you make happen it's that little sparkle in the air that happens when you walk into a group and um uh as much as it's the uh untangible it there's a many things that you can do to create that and to make sure that you that lasts in your company as you scale So um, uh, uh, connecting, con- uh, connecting uh, our satellite offices, for example, to the headquarters, you know, and and how to make them feel included. Um, how it is, it's like it's it's setting the tone of your business, which is much more, in my opinion, than HR. Like I said, in people and culture, and I never got that sense at CBC Radio Canada that that's what they were trying to do. So kudos to you for explaining it that way in a way that that I think inspires and is quite passionate and it's going to be amazing to watch your company in the next year and what kind of I'm sure amazing recruitment campaigns you come up with to attract the very people that you say uh, that you value and are going to appreciate to, to be working Thank at Renault. Thank you, Run. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Thanks for the inspiration and the energy. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for listening to The Wagon Live. Tune in next week for another episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe by hitting the subscribe button.